This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. You've got questions. We've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex, intimacy, and relationship coach and a psychologist, and I've spent the last 33 years helping people to create meaningful relationships that contain sizzling sex without the shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time, and as I said last week, we are starting at A again today this week. So, today the letter is A, and A is for amendment. Joining me is Barry W. Lynn. He's been an activist for, for justice since he was an anti-Vietnam War opponent in high school in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania in the 60s. He spent the last 25 years of his career as the executive director of Americans United for Separation of Church and State, retiring in 2017. He is a vigorous opponent of governmental intrusion into the choices of women and all in the LGBTQ plus community and opposes all financial aid to religious groups. Prior to his work there, he served as legislative counsel for the National Office of the American Civil Liberties Union, defending the free speech rights of all kinds of people and was widely credited with destroying the last major sexual imagery censorship effort, which was the Edmies Commission on Pornography, which I personally remember. Before that, he played a key role in achieving some measure of relief during the Jimmy Carter administration for war resistors and veterans who had been given other than honorable discharges from the Vietnam era. He has written three books and is working on a new one called You Don't Know Me about the people that he has met in his life and what they have taught him how to get through the strange roots of this life. Lynn has appeared on virtually every significant American television and radio show. He's also the only person to ever win a Freedom of Speech Award from the Playboy Foundation and a Freedom of Worship Medal from the Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt Foundation. Lynn was also honored to be awarded the prestigious Creative Citizenship Award from the National Institute and Puffin Foundation, also awarded to such figures as Tony Kushner, Colin Kaepernick, and Cecile Richards. He's a member of the Supreme Court Bar and an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. This means he can forgive you today and still sue you tomorrow. He enjoys telling stories. Welcome to the show. It's wonderful to be here. I am so excited. Terrific. So, where should we start? Um, let's start, I don't, I don't know how many of my listeners will remember the Ed Meese Commission, but let's start there. Tell me a bit about what that was like, and what, how did you end up involved in that? You know, I worked at the American Civil Liberties Union at the time, and they knew that they needed to be some point person who would basically follow these characters around the country, everywhere they went. They went to six major cities and report on what they did. And it turned out to be a little easier than I had expected because at the very first meeting of this group, and I'll, I'll tell you a little about the people on it, but they decided that they would make no public comments about this matter until they were completely finished. Under the rules of uh, 
the manner in which they function, every time that they sent out their working papers to the members of the commission or all over the country, they had to also provide it to the public, like me. So I would find out when it was going to be released. I'd walk over there, I'd get it, I'd flip through it. And there was one guy at the Washington Post and one guy at the New York Times who I knew would be terribly interested in its contents. So, for example, they had a tentative idea that there should be a national ban on sex toys. So uh, I saw that and gave it to the New York Times, to the Washington Post. And so the headline in the Washington Post the next day was, Porn Commission Considers Ban on All Sex Toys. And that was a little extreme. And it made them look silly. But when they go to the commission, they'd have no comment. We can't comment on it. And so it made my life a lot easier. And in fact, that when they finally came up with their final report, they, um, they got indignant because I, I would just, I had, we had actually sued them at one point to make sure that they continued to give us all the documents. So they give us the final report when it's sent out to everyone. It's a huge set of books, two, two government books. And uh, so naturally what I did was to release it myself a week before they did. So I could spin it any way I wanted. And I said things like it, it was a bizarre set of volumes. It had, among other things, the complete transcripts of Deep Throat, which is a very famous film yes. at the time, <laughs> and, and a not-so-famous book or not-so-famous movie called Biker Slave Girls. And it had all of the text and all of the, and, and so I issued a press release that said, you know, I, some people may find this offensive, but I think the federal government has the same right to publish this as Larry Flint has to publish Hustler. But they didn't like that. And, uh, and I got so much mileage out of it. And then I went over to their official release a week later, and they were so, so irritated that they, they said, you know, Barry, you cannot come into the press room. You have to go to an overflow room. And the overflow room, uh, you know, had a big, big screen television in front. And as I watched the reporters hooking in their microphones and screwing in the microphone, they were looking up and giggling, <laughs> they were saying. And I wonder what they were looking at. What they were looking at was the goddess of justice statue, which is in the Hall of Justice, a woman with one bare breast. So here's the Attorney General of the United States, the head of the Pornography Commission, a man named Henry Hudson, and the statue. And that picture was on the front page of almost every newspaper in America and indeed around the world the next day. And I came to call that photograph of the three, uh, the three boobs photograph. I love it. <laughs> but, but it, you know, it was set up from the beginning to say pornography was a menace. In fact, they, they authorized this under the pretext they would be examining the menace of pornography. And the people were really strange. Uh, let me just tell you about a couple of them. One was Father Bruce Ritter. Father Bruce Ritter 
uh, came to some fame around the world when he uh, started an organization called Covenant House. It started in New York, and it was for runaway young people to take care of them. And uh, it turned out, though, that Father Ritter was having a little problem. He was actually hiring young men, not, not children, but young men, uh, to stay with him in hotels while he was a commissioner for the Edmies Pornography Commission. And when this was uncovered, the Attorney General of New York considered prosecuting him. But as so often happens with uh, pedophile-like priests, is they cut a deal with the government. So they said, the Archdiocese of New York said, well, look, Father Ritter, we're not saying he did anything, but we'll transfer him to India for the rest of his career if you don't prosecute him. Oh, my God. And this, of course, is sadly what happens in so many instances when people are, are uh, accused of or, in fact, uh, have committed sexual offenses against boys or girls. They get sent to Africa or they get sent to Latin America. And yeah, it's where very they can- difficult. Where, yeah, and where they can pre, um, be, be predators more easily. I mean, it's one of, of the course, things of that drives me completely insane is they, that the church sends them to places where um, the oversight is far less. And the children are far more desperate for the basics. Absolutely. So they can predate with impunity. Um, well, we, it really is... Um, uh, there's an organization called SNAP, which is uh, for sexual abuse survivors by misconduct by priests. And I, I, I spoke at one of their conventions a few years ago and had lunch with people from Latin America. And the one thing that the United States does, at least in theory, we have records of pedophile priests so that it's more difficult, hardly impossible, more difficult to transfer someone from one archdiocese to another because there are lists. When it comes to what's going on in Latin America, there are no lists. No. There's not even an effort to do that. So they're really been thrown. They are the wolves being thrown to people. And unfor- yeah, no, and unfortunately, there's very little education as well. And so, um, and, 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 and treatment and anything. So it, it's a ge- it becomes a generational thing. Um, and so people will, you know, comment to their children, you know, avoid father so-and-so if you yeah. can. Um, but they don't, there's not enough preparation. And so many people have lived through it that the attitude is, well, it's kind of part of your growing up, which I think is, I can't even, is so horrific. Um, but, it, and the church could do something about it. We're um, about two minutes from break. Um, believe it or not, this, this show always goes so quickly. But when we come back, um, more stories from your career because you have done absolutely so much. I definitely want to talk about some of the the stuff around the separation of church and state because this is a perennial issue and it's getting worse right now. It's it's uh, I'm horrified by the rolling back of freedoms that were granted, um, and and wondering where you think this is going to end up. So we will be back in a couple of minutes afterwards from our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. 
You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. This week, it is A is for Amendment, and I'm with the amazing Barry Lynn. And before the break, we were talking about the Ed Meese Commission on Pornography, and you had one story left to tell on that one. Yeah, they decided at one point to go on what they called a field trip to three (laughs) adult bookstores in the Houston area. And uh, luckily, again, under the rules that, that the government required of these commissions, they, they had to invite a few people from the public to go with them. So I, of course, called to get my one seat on the bus. And I called my friend Carol Vance, who was a, is a wonderful feminist uh, sociologist. She studied sex panics, and she was writing about the porn uh, issues as a, another sex panic. And uh, I said, you got to call, get the other seat. So we went to these three places, and... They, they were, shall we say, they were not, it, they could not be mistaken for the adult superstores that now people find, <laughs> at least in the United States, in the strip shopping malls, you know, the ones with bright lights, all the dildos are lined up side by length and color, not that, these are really pretty sleazy places, but it culminated at one place where I found myself in a buddy booth which for your listeners who may be younger, this is a place where you went to uh, watch loops of pornographic films and to perhaps enjoy yourself with a buddy. So I'm standing in there with <laughs> Henry Hudson, who's the chairman, the editor of Woman's Day magazine, who by this point had already started to realize that this was a horrible and stupid thing she was involved with, and myself. 
So what the loop is, two gay men having sex wearing green monster masks. <laughs> so Henry, Henry Hudson says to me, hey, Barry, when you testified about this, you said all of these films have ideas. What's the idea here? And I looked at him and I said, well, Henry, uh, how about try it? You might like it. <laughs> and, and Ellen was, I mean, she was eminently professional person, but I could tell that she just wanted to laugh her ass off over that. Yeah, just so trying to control was, herself. I know, but, but I mean, what, it's an incident that showed me that this is about cleaning up what they consider dirty books and magazines, but it's also about something else. Most of the people in the censorship business, first of all, most of them are religious, or at least claim to be religious. But they don't like the underlying conduct. Anyone whose sexual experience is different than the one that they have, they find offensive, even if there were no pictures of them at all. And I think that that is maintained today. The landscape of pornography is very, very different than it was back in, in the days of the Ed Meese Commission. But it has, there are certain elements that make me think it's coming back. But one of the things that's different is in those days, there were 25 women actresses who made lots of films and lots of men of the same, the same kind. Now, if you're, you have a cell phone, you can be your own pornographer. Right. You, can, you can do it. There's no control. And the reason it was important in those days is, among other things, they cared about the health of the people in the business. Mm -hmm. And when you compare that, you know, when the first few people contracted HIV in the adult business, there was a guy named Bill Margold. And I, I met Bill a couple of times during the commission's uh, uh, meanderings. And he set up a, a testing organization called AIM. And the idea was, if you wanted to continue to work, you had to be regularly tested. And you compare that to the outrageously stupid things that are being done now to deal with COVID-19 and the complicity of religious groups. We, we have most religious groups have gone to... Uh, virtual services, you know, they don't, they don't have people meeting, but you find that there are so many on the far right of the religious spectrum in the United States who renounce the idea of doing anything virtually. They must have here that Jesus will protect them. And it's a yeah. strange theology because although I understand that you can believe that Jesus will protect you, but then why isn't Jesus also involved in letting people know what are the best ways to avoid it? What is Jesus have no intervention in the medical science of the country or of the world? But so they do outrageous things. And of course, just about a week ago, a woman who is a licensed physician in Texas and who's also a minister, oh, Yes, she decided to hold a press conference along with a couple of other people in white coats. Uh, they meant, you know, white coats as medical people, not white coats to come to take you away. But this woman uh, launched into an attack on masks. She said, you know, 
people you want people want to talk about masks. We don't need to talk about masks because we have a cure. And she comes up with this mixture of highly disqualified medical interventions, including chloroquinidine, which is, of course, something the president talks about constantly. And when, when people looked into her background, it turned out that she was a person, I am not making any of this up, she is a person who believes that the United States and most world governments are run by reptilians. This is a yes. weird conspiracy that says that people from a, another star system who are really, if you could see them, reptiles mm-hmm. are running the country, the reptilian overlords. And she had other bizarre things. But here she is. Trump actually did a, a little slice of her press conference and tweeted it out the next morning and then claimed he really didn't know much about her. But, but she's, isn't, she she's the one who said, the, the, isn't she the one who said something about the demon? The, um, demon oh, scene? yeah. No, oh, no. Yeah, you look, you're horrified. But this is what she said. Here's what she said. She said that sometimes in sleep, you are accosted by demons yeah. or yeah. witches, demons or witches, and they can give you diseases like endometriosis. And that's right, endometriosis and fibroids and those sorts of things. And that was evidence that you had been accosted in your sleep by the devil. And, and Madonna, God knows what's wrong with her now. Madonna no. said... Something like, yeah, you know, she'd heard about that. or, it, But yeah, yeah. I think what kills me about this stuff is, is that, you know, this woman fully believes this 100%. I know that she fully believes this 100%. But somebody has to give her a platform. Exactly. And it's exactly. people, and, and I have to wonder about the motivation, because there are people who don't believe this, but are the ones that give people like her a platform. And I have to wonder about the motivation behind that. I mean, I know she has all sorts of stuff about gay people and all sorts of stuff about, you know, premarital sex and, and everything, you know, that the only thing she doesn't talk about is miscegenation, but she's black. So she probably couldn't talk about that, really. <laughs> well, you'd, you'd be surprised. Well, she no, might I be able to talk about that. separation of races, <laughs> but. Exactly. Mm. No, but I think. No, you're right. And I think a lot of people, I'm frequently asked because I did, I must have been on a debate, either live or on television or radio with the late Jerry Falwell. Yeah. A hundred plus times. And people would say, do you really believe that he believes what he says? And, you know, I I came to believe that he did, that Mm. he honestly, I mean, he was making a lot of money. He was becoming very famous about it. But I was the guy who actually exposed uh, a claim he had made in one of his magazines that the purple Teletubby, Tinky Winky, was actually gay and was having an undue influence on your children, possibly turning them, if not purple, at least gay. And when he was asked, after this was ridiculed for a week, he was asked on one of the major news programs, well, Dr. Folwell, does it bother you that people are making fun of this? And he actually said, and I think you believe this too, he said, anytime I'm on television, I can bring the truth of Jesus to the audience. Huh? What? But I think he did. I think he believed it. He was, um, 
He was not a fan of mine. He, on on one of the big cable television shows, we uh, um, it, it's a show that had w- one liberal and one conservative uh, co-host. And the conservative co-host asked uh, Falwell, we were sitting there together, and he said, uh, would you ever have Barry come down and preach at the Liberty University campus? And Falwell said, I would not let Barry Lynn come and preach on a street corner in my city. Wow. (laughs) So afterwards, the, the late Bob Novak comes up to me and goes, you know, honestly, Barry, I thought he'd say, sure, come on down. <laughs> but he would. And, well, and uh, it's, I find that interesting because it's, it, it's like they can't, there's no place to find any commonality. No. There just isn't. It, it's completely polar, completely binary. Everything yeah. is, you're either right or you're wrong. Um, and as a psychologist, I always find that fascinating. Because for me, the, the, and I say this to people, you know, one of the last things that we do as we become more mature adults is learn how to deal with ambivalence, learn how to deal with shades of gray. It's the mark of an adult to be able to deal with viewpoints different from their own and people that they love that also have things about them that they don't like or people who do good things who also do bad things um, and and we're coming to break soon, but before we go. So for me, one of the things I've been looking at recently is this whole cancel culture that's going on. Because instead of becoming better able to deal with things, even liberals are becoming less able. So now if somebody does something you don't approve of, you cancel everything that they've ever done. So there's no nuance anymore, which to me is terribly frightening because there is not a single one of us that doesn't have a whole host of faults Right, you know, um, and so that cancel culture doesn't leave any room for that. It doesn't leave room for growth. It doesn't leave room for learning in any way. It's just you know, oh well, we found and you're out. It's a fascinating concept, but for me, that's part of it's it's an example of what's going on currently as we get more and more polarized, um, both on the right and the left. Oh, absolutely, and. Uh, you know, when we come back, I'd like to tell you a story about the other thing that bothers me most about the religious right in this country, and that is that they have no, no sense of humor. But this issue of talking with people, it's very important. And I mean, some of the things that I've managed to achieve in my life, particularly at the American Civil Liberties Union, were finding innovative compromises. You know, we have several kinds of compromises, what I call idiots compromises, which are not compromises. They just slice a pie a slightly different way. Everybody goes home and says, oh, yeah, we, uh, we, had, we had a great victory. But, um, but sometimes you can find those people, even among hardcore religious conservative zealots where you can find one small thing that you agree on and you can build something truly constructive that hurts no one and helps everybody. I love it. So when we get back, we'll talk more about this because this is important stuff, guys. Um, Don't forget you can write in questions because you you guys never call in because nobody ever wants to be heard talking about sex. We'll see you in a couple of minutes. (laughs) 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And we are on part three of A is for Amendment. And I'm with the inimitable Barry Lynn. Right. So you were going to tell us another story before the break. I was mentioning that one of the things that bothers me is that uh, the religious right has no sense of humor. And uh, I think this is encapsulated in getting it back to Pornography Commission. After the Pornography Commission was... uh, wrapped up its work. Um, I was on the Oprah Winfrey show and on the Phil Donahue show and a lot of these big shows. And I was on the Oprah Winfrey show and she was supposed to be interviewing two sex offenders from a Utah prison, but they had a connection problem. So the rest of us who were waiting back in the so-called green room, uh, the producer rushes back up. We have to go on right now because we can't get the commission. We can't get the connection to Utah. So we all, three of us, I guess, in a line. And uh, the guy from the a religious right group in front of me says, "Hey, I, I heard you spoke at the adult video news convention in Las Vegas recently." And I said, yeah, yeah, I did, because they, they asked. You know, I'd speak to you, too, if you asked. And I said, but, you know, a funny thing happened. You know, they put me up at a hotel in Caesar's Palace, and they had a round bed and had a mirror on the ceiling. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and I looked at what I saw, and I thought, good Lord, maybe I should be against pornography. And he goes, he's seriously well, I'm, I'm glad you're making some 
movement in that direction. He didn't even understand that it was a joke. How can you not understand that? But it was, and uh, it, you know, it's, and I, the, the adult video news uh, convention in Las Vegas. I, one of the things I did there that I found most interesting was uh, during the tenure of the Pornography Commission, so many of the adult film uh, actresses happened to have the last name. My last name, Lynn, L-Y-N-N, <laughs> Amber Lynn, Ginger Lynn, Portia Lynn, all these Lynn. So I went, went up and gave my little presentation and I said, and I, and I held up the magazine, Adult Video News is not, there's it, it, no nudity in it, but it's certainly, it's graphic. And I said, I, I wanted to discuss this issue because I said, I thought a lot of people would see me on television and then see a marquee of a porn theater which we still had at the time, and it would say Ginger Lynn, and then people would watch and go, I'll bet that's his sister. <laughs> so so I, I showed these, you know, the, the non-explicit, but ads for all of these, and I, I said, Ginger Lynn, not my relative, Amber Lynn. Not. Then I turned to <laughs> Portia Lynn, I said, we're still checking out Portia Lynn. But... And then when I, I you know, I, I do, I think you have to have a seamless view of the First Amendment. You have to be, believe that even the things you kind of wish weren't out there, uh, they have a right to be there. And for a while, I defended tobacco and alcohol advertising. And I was invited to the state of Kentucky to speak to the Tobacco Farmers Association. So I went out to give my little lecture and it's families, tobacco farmers, the wives of tobacco farmers, almost all tobacco farmers are men. And I, I said, I'm here to talk today about censorship. I picked up my copy of Playboy magazine and I said, in other words, I'm here to talk about why you shouldn't be able to censor this. And I opened it, not to the centerfold, but to a giant cutout advertisement for Camel cigarettes that featured this cartoon character, Joe Camel. And I remember it Joe. came out. And I could see people at the table going, <gasps> because they would have been shocked. <laughs> they wouldn't have been because oh they God. probably had subscriptions. But And you have to, I have enjoyed fighting censorship. And, you know, Censors never are happy. They're never satisfied. They, if it's like a dog comes up to your, you know, you're eating on your porch, and dog comes up and you give it a little piece of bread or a piece of meat, and then you, you think, oh, the dog's going to go away. But the dog doesn't go away. The dog comes back for the next time you're on the porch, insisting on having more food, and that's what censors do. Judy Bloom, who's a famous young adult uh, writer, we were mm -hmm. doing a panel on censorship someplace in Florida, and I asked her, what, "What's the uh, what's the strangest censorship battle you've you've ever had to deal with?" Because many of her books were they dealt with abortion, they dealt with gay characters, and they were always being censored. And she said, "Well, there was a place that was trying to censor Mad Libs. Now, Mad Libs books were very popular <laughs> for a while. They still are sold, and they they had blank spaces. And then yep. you would you would you would call out. You'd, you'd ask the audience, yeah, give me a noun, give me a verb.'" I said, "Well, why were they trying to censor Mad Libs? I mean, 
They're just filled with blank spaces. And she said they were worried about what kids might put in the spaces. Spaces. <laughs> I mean, you know. But, but actually, for me, that says it all. And that is yeah, the worry. It it's the of fear it that they have of what people will think on their own and what they will do on their own. And then it will somehow be different from what they think is appropriate and right. I had a discussion recently um, with a group of religious people about the fact that there is nothing that said, says that sex is not supposed to be pleasurable. And that, in fact, particularly if you go back to Jewish religious texts, while there are laws about sex outside of marriage, inside of marriage, sex is a sacrament to God. And it's Correct. seen as it should be beautiful, it should be pleasurable, and if a man doesn't satisfy his wife, that's grounds for divorce. And yes. these people were completely shocked. And I said, well, you're looking at the same Old Testament I am, right? So, you know, and it's just like, but, and I said, this is about what the priesthood puts down, not what was written and intended. And these people all have problems because if you indoctrinate a young woman that it's bad, it's horrible, it's bad, it's horrible, it's bad, it's horrible, when they get married, the indoctrination is still there. So they, there's, there's no way of undoing that just because now you're in a sanctioned relationship. It's, it, no, it's, I mean, really... it's, it's sad. No, it is sad. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I taught in a Catholic girls' school in Boston, South Boston, the most Irish place you can find outside of Ireland. Yep. And um, and I team taught a, a, a sex education course with a, a woman who was had been she was a devout Catholic, but she had been she was divorced, and I, of course, not a Catholic, and so it was a very, very open-minded kind of place, but. Every Friday, we would take questions that the students would just put anonymously in a box. And you, you would be in tears listening. These were 16 and 17-year-olds. And the questions they had, like I, I, one that really blew me away, a white woman, white girl, said, if I, if I have sex with a black man, and then I get married, and I, and I have a baby five years from now. Could my baby be black? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's the level. I was called into the principal's office once, and the principal, uh, I figured I was about to be fired because her first question was, Barry, um, have you been having people from Planned Parenthood come into the school? And I said, yep. I said, um, once every semester, I have one of my friends from Planned Parenthood come in and uh, they show people what's out there. And what. And she looked at me and instead of saying, you're fired, she said, you know, I think that's the kind of thing our girls ought to learn. Wonderful. Yeah. Unfortunately, and, so many places where they're not that is still today not encouraged. No, not at all. Up until, and I just think, I can't remember which year it was, and I don't want to quote it wrong, but it was about five years ago, I think. Um, the teen pregnancy rate in England was one of the highest in Europe still. And that was down to 
the quality of sex education in schools, which remains appalling. You know, there was a study done in, in the United States about 20 years ago looking at sex education. When they asked a, a large number of, of people whether they had had any sex education in their high school, a very high percentage said no. I mean, they didn't even know they were having it. So you can imagine how little useful information was coming. And, and then yeah. they, for a while in this country, they decided you, sh you shouldn't call it sex education. You should call it family life education. Right. Which was nice, but meaningless. It, it just, it did not translate to anything. And, pe and people were not, the students weren't even interested in it. But we, we have such an unwillingness to talk about and to think about this. And when we ask about pornography, what's, well, what's the point of it? And what's the value in it? And there are plenty of values. I mean, if this didn't have a political message, one that sometimes I, I would disagree with, um, if it didn't have a political message, nobody would even care about it. If it didn't try to argue that you, you, you should be, you should have a lot of fun, you know, when you have sex. If, you, if it didn't say, and the other thing is it, it makes it possible for sexual minorities to say, wait a minute, there really are people like me. Absolutely. It's a validation. And That's a huge, huge, huge thing, um, particularly because we're not educating still. So we're about one minute from break. We come All back, right. we'll talk, we're going to spend the last bit of this talking about sexual minorities and the separation between church and state, because it's fascinating to me that it, it, although it is actually enshrined in law in the United States, it doesn't seem to exist very well. Um, and in fact, where it isn't enshrined in law in the United Kingdom, there is no separation, and they're honest about it. There's actually less, less of the problems, which I find fascinating. And I think it's just because it's accepted that uh, the state religion is Christianity, so there's room for other things to come in. Sure, sure. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes after some word from the sponsors. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. 
Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Welcome back, everybody, to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is A is for Amendment, final segment with Barry Lynn. Okay, so where were we when this, when we broke? We were talking about what what is wrong with the separation of church and state, which you don't have in England, but we have in the United States. Why is it under such threat? Yes. Should I answer that? I will answer that question. Go for I, think, it. I think part of the problem is that anytime you say anything about religion uh, that is voiced, is, is viewed as at all negative, then politicians get so nervous. They, they fall apart. They go, we don't want to be accused of being anti-God. And even though it's pro-Constitution to say the government should have no role whatsoever in deciding on the basis of theology, not on the Constitution, but on their own theology, what the laws of the country ought to be, then that's too complicated. They, the politicians fear this. I, I used to think they were afraid of talking about anything about sex, which is why anything that was remotely associated with or claimed to be associated with anti-pornography legislation would have so few champions in our legislatures. But with religion, it's almost as bad. And in fact, one of my the greatest um, champions of the First Amendment and all of its forms that I ever worked with was Senator Lowell Weicker of Connecticut. He was a Republican at the time I first met him, then he became the independent governor of Connecticut. But he was defeated by a Democrat for his reelection to the Senate because he had opposed a constitutional amendment to bring government-sponsored prayer back to public schools. And so his opponent would say he's against religion, he's against God, and even in a relatively liberal state like Connecticut, uh, he knocked Lowell Weicker out of the Senate and and became a, a, a super pain in the rear end for years thereafter. But they don't like to talk about it. The things that happen now... Let's say you want to get a, um, we have something that doesn't approach the healthcare system in Canada or in the, in the UK, but it does, it's something called the Affordable Care Act. It's often yep. referred to as Obamacare. And Obamacare had a, a provision in it that said that if a company was uh, involved in uh, offering medical services of medical insurance to their employees, they would have to offer contraceptive services. Yep. So, yep, couple of, uh, a couple of groups all of a sudden decided they had a 
literally a corporate religion that opposed the use of contraceptives. So it became then possible by a five to four, we have nine people on the United States Supreme Court, five to four decision that said, yes, you could claim that and then be exempt from having to provide contraceptives. So there are hundreds of thousands of women working for these companies around the country who could no longer get contraceptives for any purpose, whether it's birth control or for its use to control other other uh, diseases or irregularities. And then this very session of the, the court just ended in June, it went even further and said that if you claim that you have a religious or a moral objection to contraception, moral objections alone, that would be enough to guarantee that you could be exempted from everything. You don't even have to tell, said the court. You don't even have to tell your employees where they could get contraceptives otherwise. So to sign a paper, say these companies, that simply says, uh, we are not going to give you contraceptives, but if you if you want them, here's where you can go to get them. They, that was considered an infringement on their religious freedom, an infringement to sign a paper declaring that you had a conscientious objection to something. In the anti-war days, people were proud to say, I am a conscientious objector to war. Yeah. They didn't try to hide it. They were willing to proclaim it, and people like the great boxer Muhammad Ali, of course, uh, literally went to federal prison for making that declaration. But here, to sign a piece of paper, that was too much. But you see, I find, it I find that frightening because whose religious freedoms, right? Because it's not right. every religion. Of course not. It, it would be really clear that, that even the vast majority of Christians have no objection to contraception. So, of course not. So it's not every religion. It is the religion of a very small number of people comparatively and their freedoms are protected but the freedoms of everybody else are out the window yeah i I think people need a moral center i don't think you need a religious center although i have one but i think you need a moral you have a set of principles and when it comes to pornography for example people need to be responsible if there is coercion involved as as of course in, in deep throat linda lovelace claimed that she had been abused 23 women have accused one of the very famous male porn stars of that era is still working today of sexual assault and rape. That should be investigated. Children should be off limits. Yep. There should never be that. And you have to understand, and I do think, I think as, as uh, one of the adult film actresses told this pornography commission, and she said, there's a lot of things where I can say there might be people who are obsessed, so obsessed with porn that they can't form a relationship with a real human being. And I believe that. And I know people that have expressed that who say, you know, my husband just, he got so fascinated with this. I lo- he lost me. He, he shut me but out. That's a personal so issue. That's not, a, that's not, yeah, you know, we're not. not nannies. It's a personal issue. Exactly. And it ought to be dealt with and it ought to be said that that, you know, it's, um, it's there like, was a. I love it. We let people drink themselves to death. Yeah. It's, it's the same stuff. It's like, 
we we actually encourage people to drink themselves to death, even more so over here. We've got about we've got we've only got about four minutes, so I'll just finish the thought. But we encourage sure. people here to drink themselves to death. But but you're going to be a nanny about other things that they might become obsessive around. Not okay, you know. It, it, it's either one all one way, and then it, and that is also a health issue. It's not a legislative issue. No, um, I want to thank you so much. I could talk to you for hours. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you're doing? I think the easiest thing is to go to barrywlm.com. My photographer niece uh, helped me create this. It's brand new. It talks about this book I'm writing. Uh, you don't know me, but you might know some of the people who've crossed my path. Uh, it's got some of the upcoming virtual appearances that I'll be making, uh, including wow. this one. And uh, it has a, a little uh, a link to a Lewis Black comedy routine uh, that he asked me to do after I got out of uh, four different hospitals after a really terrible heart problem I had two and a half years ago. Okay. So if you like Lewis, you'll like this too. So you'll have to go and have a look. So it's barrywlin.com. I'll stick that in podcast notes. Um, Guys, next week it's B, and I'm not telling you what it is going to be yet. If you enjoyed the podcast and you're liking the podcast, do head over to grab a few chapters from my upcoming book, The A to Z of Sex, on a to z of sex.com. And now is the best time to work with me if you've been thinking about it. So grab yourself a 30-minute breakthrough call. You can do that off my website at drlauriebethbisbee.com or uh, bit.ly forward slash the number 30 minutes and then Dr. Lori Beth. I am looking forward to seeing you all next week. Do stay safe and have yourself a wonderful week. Hope it's not too much heat where you are. We hope you learned something today. But if you have more questions, go ahead and email them to Lori Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com. Then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of the A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Voice America Health and Wellness. See you next week.